Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. This is our final Sunday in the Summer Psalms series, and I hope that you have enjoyed this series as much as I have. The Psalms, it's such a rich book, such a beautiful book that tells us so much about the character and the nature of God. And so, this being the final week of that series, it seemed fitting to talk about the final psalm, which is Psalm 150. Psalm 150 is a a short psalm, it's just six verses long. And this morning, I want to consider together what this final psalm has to tell us about the entire book. We've talked before about how the psalms are really a songbook. Right, They are are, a collection of prayers and praises and meditations that were meant to be sung. They were meant to be set to music, and they were uh, originally. And, and, um, uh, oh, I wish we had the original music. Wouldn't that be amazing to be able to to sing along in that way? But uh, but we have them as as a written anthology, Uh, unfortunately not audio. But Pastor Kyle and I have had some fun... um, Recently, when we were recording the discussion podcast for this week, we had some fun talking about what would the Psalms be like if they were uh, an album? If we could hear this compilation recorded, what would that look like or sound like, rather? And I think maybe I read somewhere recently that our tendency would probably be to think of the Psalms as like Israel's greatest hits, right? But that's not, that's not quite right because the Psalms are not isolated from one another. They're not like each a one-hit wonder, right? They're all connected. And so maybe a better analogy would be to think of the Psalms as a concept album, as, uh, as, as an intentional collection of songs that tell a specific story and they give a certain message. And so, so once you've listened to the whole thing, you have a deeper understanding of the message that the artist is trying to convey. Now, if you're cool enough to be familiar with the music of the 60s and 70s, some of you here look like you might be familiar with this era, then you might, you might know a thing or two about concept albums. That was kind of the heyday uh, for this kind of compilation. And artists like uh, Willie Nelson and, and Stevie Wonder and the Beatles, they all produced uh, these concept albums a story, these anthologies that, that told a story when you listened to the whole thing, start to finish. Or maybe for some of us, maybe a more relatable concept would be like a musical, right? These, these, uh, these tremendous stories that are told primarily through song. It's the same idea. There's a story, and the music is telling the story, and when we hear the whole thing, we get this greater picture. And that is true of the Psalms as well. There's a story in this book, and it's the story of God, the story of the people of God, and it's pretty epic. It's a story of relationship and struggle and hope and renewal. Maybe uh, if you grew up watching Sesame Street like I did, then you know that every story has a beginning, middle, and an end, right? Maybe you're singing that little song in your head now. I'm sorry. The Psalms do as well. 
the Psalms start out with, of course, Psalm 1 and 2. These are foundational songs, foundational chapters. They're an introduction to the psalm, uh, a sort of a prelude, we could say, that sets the stage for the rest of the book. And through these first two psalms, we learn the basis of life in the kingdom of God. The first one, Psalm 1, talks about the law of the Lord and how the people of God will flourish by living in the ways of God. And then Psalm 2 establishes the kingship of God, his sovereignty, his reign over all the earth. Pastor Kyle preached a a wonderful message uh, about these two psalms uh, a couple of summers ago in our first summer psalm series. And I encourage you to go back and and listen to that and receive this deeper understanding of those foundational chapters. I'll post uh, a link to that message in the, the weekly resources page that will be updated tomorrow morning. So then those are the the first two psalms, this introduction. And then after that foundation, then we move into sort of this general songbook, the body of the psalms. And those those psalms between the introduction and the finale, which we'll get to here in a minute, they take us on on quite a roller coaster. The story uh, is the story of God's redemption and the story of the journey of his covenant people. And there are a lot of ups and downs and some flips and upside down moments in there. We see in that story the whole spectrum of, of the human experience and of human emotion. Sudden drops, slow climbs. The Psalms uh, give us phrases like, I am worn out from sobbing. To I wait quietly before the Lord. To I will sing joyfully to your name. It's all in there. And as much as as that may sometimes kind of feel like emotional whiplash as we're reading through, there really is a flow to the Psalms. Their arrangement is not random. In fact, the arrangement of the Psalms is just as intentional as, as the content. If we listen carefully, we can recognize a steady ascent. Early on, right after the introduction, I mean, starting with chapter 3, we see psalms of lament, a lot of psalms of lament in that first uh, section. Psalm 3 starts out saying, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. Remember that, that the entire book of Psalms, it's made up of five smaller books. And the first of those five, it has something like 19 psalms of lament and four psalms of praise. But it's interesting to see how this shifts throughout the book. Psalms moves from being uh, a book early on of kind of mostly lament with a few praises sprinkled here and there. Uh, which is what the beginning looks like, to toward the end of the book, it is a book of praise. And there are a few laments scattered here and there. And that's not to say that lament is bad. It's not. Not at all. It's it's really a very important uh, spiritual practice. It's a very real part of life. But the journey through the Psalms reflects the journey of God's people and the greater picture of the entire Bible Pastor Kyle has talked about how as the Bible progresses, uh, we see the people of God being brought closer and closer 
to Jesus, not only uh, chronologically, but also relationally. Each covenant made is more relational, more intimate, closer and closer to Jesus. Because God consistently draws his people closer into relationship with himself. And, uh, and in the scripture, that relationship culminates in the person of Jesus. And this is the progression of the Psalms, too. We see, like, at the beginning, this flailing desperation and uncertainty, and then throughout a greater and greater reliance upon God and trust in God, greater peace and greater hope. And then finally, finally, shalom. This, this complete renewal, complete justice, complete peace and wholeness and pure praise. That's what we find when we reach the finale of the Psalms, which is really quite dramatic. The Psalms end with a series of five doxologies, five, five final songs of praise, and they correspond with the five books, uh, of the smaller books that make up the Psalms. If we think about the entire book of Psalms as the story of God's people, as this great story of God, that we can think about the last chapters, the last psalm, as the resolution of that story. And those last five psalms are all psalms of praise. And they offer sort of a, a review of the story of God and his people. They speak of the God of Jacob, which is a reminder that the Lord has been faithful for many, many generations. They speak of God's justice and compassion, the way that he protects and cares for the oppressed. They speak of the restoration of Jerusalem, of the Lord bringing the exiles home, this, this critical uh, event in the history of the Lord's people. They offer a reminder of the law of the Lord, and they speak of the covenant relationship between God and his people. They offer praise for salvation, and they speak of how the world is changed through the power of that salvation. These psalms, that, that was Psalm 146 through 149, and these psalms tell us really in vivid detail about the nature and character of God. And they paint a picture of what life in the kingdom of God is like. And then we reach Psalm 150, this final psalm, and it is just pure praise. Let's take a look at it. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heaven, praise him for his mighty works, praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with a lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud, clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Psalm 150 gives us the final word. And the final word is praise. The story of God and his people culminates in praise. And it's exuberant praise. It's uninhibited praise. 
trumpets and tambourines and guitars and dancing. And if you don't know how to do any of those things, then just loud clanging cymbals. Just bring out the pots and pans and clap your hands and sing whatever you need to do. Just praise the Lord. That's the energy. That's the exuberance, the joy that this song holds. This is a picture of the kingdom of God on earth. This is about all things being made right. The Apostle Peter called it a world filled with God's righteousness. And do you know, friends, that the kingdom of God is here? That it's already here, that we're already living in it? Jesus brought the kingdom of God to us. He began his earthly ministry by saying, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is already established here on earth through Jesus, and it continues through us. One author uh, said it like this. They said, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in Christ on the earth through the church. Jesus told uh, two short parables to explain what this kingdom of God is like. In Luke chapter 13, he says this. Uh, then Jesus said, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. He also asked, what else is the kingdom of God like? It's like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, I read somewhere that that's like 60 cups of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus here is talking about his own presence. He was not at all what the Jewish people were expecting. In their Messiah, they expected an obvious king, right? A, a, a military hero, a political hero who would come and crush their enemies and reestablish the throne in Jerusalem. They were waiting for someone who would set all things right, who would bring justice for all the years of oppression that they had suffered. They were looking for a hero. And what they saw was a small-town rabbi. And Jesus knew this. He knew that the kingdom of God looked nothing like the victorious scene that the people were expecting. And so he said, the kingdom of God, it's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God, it's like yeast. His presence and his life among the people, it may have looked ordinary, it may have looked small, even insignificant, but it changed everything. And the garden where the mustard seed was planted and the flower where the yeast uh, was included, that's us. That's the church. We who are the people of God, we who, we who have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we who know God's salvation, the kingdom of God continues in the world through the church of God. But we can look around and we can know that everything is not 
yet right. Right? There's still suffering in this world. There's still sin. We live in this tension. It's been, it's been described as um, the now and the not yet. Maybe you've heard that before. The kingdom of God is here now, and the world has not yet seen its full glory. The yeast is still working, right? The tree is still growing. You know, I, I, think, um, I think sometimes we might forget that the final word is praise. That when all is said and done, everything that has breath will praise the Lord. I think we might sometimes still be looking for a hero who looks like what we might expect a hero to look like. The, ba- the, the Bible uses a lot of, uh, of battle language, of military language, right? We heard it even in the songs this morning. We, we, we sang about battles and victories and angel armies. And, and those phrases are directly from Scripture. Uh, they're effective. It's descriptive language. But I think sometimes we might forget what it means to battle in the kingdom of God. Because victory in the kingdom of God means more voices praising him. Not because of force, but because of grace. It doesn't mean winning more arguments or securing more protection. It certainly doesn't have anything to do with whether our favorite political party is in power or which Supreme Court justices we like. Politics and laws, they're important because they affect matters of justice. But, but they fall into the not yet category, right? And as kingdom people, we can't just stay there. We don't live only in the not yet. We have to also live in the now of the kingdom of God. We are the people who raise our voices in praise to the Lord now. And we work and pray and look forward to the day when every voice has joined in that chorus. And people will join in the chorus of praise not because we've beat them in an argument, not because we've passed a law, not because uh, we wall ourselves off from them, but people will step toward the kingdom of God because they see the goodness of the Lord in us, in his church. When they see Christ in us, the hope of glory, they see the kingdom of God. And so no matter what our not-yet differences may be, uh, let's focus on lifting our voices together in praise as one, living in the now of the kingdom of God. You know, living together in unity, that was Jesus' prayer for his church. And what that means is that as kingdom people, we praise our God together now, even as we look forward to that which is not yet. The Psalms tell us our own story, and it's a story of hope. They remind us to take heart because our God, the Lord, is with us always through the entire roller coaster of this life. 
of our journey with him, individually in our lives and also in the great story of the people of God. So let's ask ourselves, where are you in this story? What song of the album are you on? Do you relate more to the early psalms where everything feels like lament? Maybe you feel like you're stuck on repeat, just listening to the same song over and over again. Be encouraged today. God is with you in the deep sorrows, in the daily frustrations. Maybe the song that speaks most clearly to you right now is the song of wisdom, reminding you of the ways of God. Maybe it's a prayer of thanks. Maybe you're making an intentional decision to see the goodness in your life. And maybe your song right now is a song of exuberant praise. Praise the Lord. Whatever it is, it's part of your story. It's part of our story. It's part of, of the story of God and of his people. And we know where the story leads, right? We know where the story ends, the song said this morning. We know. It leads to the kingdom of God in all of its glory, all things having been made new, where everything that has breath will praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen.